2: Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. <laughs> I love that it's kids Safe, COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network.
0: For kids. <laughs>
2: Download the Zigazoo app today.
0: Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America on vSEN, the sports betting network.
3: We begin hour number two, Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM, Dave Ross, alongside Adam Burke. We are here at Circus Sportsbook in fabulous Las Vegas. It was in most of the scripts this week that I read for the NFL draft. It is fabulous here in Las Vegas. Uh, very quickly, I-, I will admit a couple things. One, I'm still not great with the time change as my East Coast body then went to the Midwest, and now I'm out on the West Coast. And the fights are getting ready to start here for UFC Fight Night. So we're going to get into those fights and some of the plays I want to give out before that card Uh, gets underway, but you had a a nugget, as we like to say in the business, and this one in the NFL draft is quite the nugget, and I want to alarm anybody who's a fan of Hook'em before you give out this nugget, because it's not going to be what they want to hear. No, not at all. In fact, it's uh, there's a lot of incredible things
4: that, that come out of the NFL draft. This may be one of the most incredible. At Reddit CFB tweeted, Kansas beat Texas in having a player selected first at the NFL draft. So Chiron Johnson, inside linebacker from Kansas, went 181st overall. So we've had 187, 187th pick being made right now. Not a single player from the University of Texas taken here in this draft, which says a lot about the program and why they've had the records that they've had.
3: That is stunning. That is absolutely stunning. And I don't know what the odds could have been that you would have had more. And look, it's not over. Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, football players selected then Longhorns. And that, that's, that's got to tell you everything about the program that you need to know right now. Yeah, Like, it feels like those days of Vince Young and, you know, winning national championships and beating SC, one of the greatest games I've ever seen, doesn't feel that far removed. It is two decades now. And it's like, that is an indictment on Texas football. So before you get to Texas this year and start thinking, oh, maybe they're going to be a sleeper, just realize... That the NFL draft is telling you they are devoid of talent that cannot play on Sundays. Just had a kid taken out of Fordham
4: before a player from Texas. Oh so we, we could just up, we could live update this the I whole think, time as I think we go we forward here. And we're not but, trying
3: to bang on you, no. Texas. We're not. But this is the reality of your program. Yeah. That Fordham kids are going, and you got Kansas football players going. But if they had drafted a Kansas basketball player to try to convert him into a football player, I would understand that. Right. But an actual. Jayhawk football player going before a Longhorn is absolutely stunning. Wow. I mentioned the UFC, and I do have some plays, Adam, that I do want to give out. And uh, I'm actually, I have not played them to date because, again, uh, you know, I thought, well, I've got plenty of time to get them in. I'm going to have a runner, thank goodness, so I can get these plays in. And the best one that I like of the day is of the three round variety and it is on the undercard here. And it's Christoph Jocko against Gerald Mearshart. And I like this fight to go the distance to get plus money. So, again, only a three-round fight. I know that Mearshart, you've seen him get destroyed in the past against top-level competition, and maybe you're worried about him getting stopped. I don't think so. Jocko's the type of fighter here that I think wants to kind of stretch this out, use his range, use his height, and, you know, avoid striking as best he can and kind of wear out this fight. So even though I think it's going to be competitive, and I think Mearshart's a live dog in this play, Adam, to me, the safer play here is at a plus price. Is take the fight to go the three round distance. I'm going to play it here momentarily. You can get it uh, betmgm at plus a dollar five. So we'll see how that one plays out in the main event. Let me ask real quick. Sure.
4: So uh, Jocko's got five straight decisions. Mm-hmm. Mirshart a lot of finishes for him. Did have one uh, after the midpoint of the third round in his last fight. Mm-hmm. But you know, how do you sort of come to that conclusion? Who, who do you? Th- how do you sort of figure out? Who do you think is going to kind of control the pace and dictate the tempo of the fight?
3: Because Jocko is the, the smaller favorite in this fight, right, I do think that the, the, the numbers are there, and I, I think it's a solid price at a minus $1. eighty-five is what we're seeing. So I do think Jocko's going to win, but I don't think he's going to knock out Mearshart. So, like, if I was on the Mearshart side, then I might be more inclined to play the under, that he can get stops. I don't think Mearshart can beat Jocko on points. So, therefore... I do think if you want to get really cute with it, you can go Jocko by decision, right? I do think that that's a favorable matchup. But because I think Mearshart's a live dog, I just want to play the, the total. I just want to play that this fight's going to go to the cards and take that plus 105. Because, yes, I am, I am, I I do believe Mearshart has a chance to get a stoppage, but it's not a likely one. So, therefore, the safer play for me is three-round decision. I'll take it. I'm not going to play a side uh, on Jocko or Mearshart, but I will play the total here, and I'm going to play it at three. Uh, to get that plus money in the main event. And normally, when I see guys miss weight, I go, uh-oh, like something's up here. And Rob Font didn't miss weight by two and a half, uh, two and a half uh, pounds. And that's significant, especially in a smaller weight class here. He's going to be the bigger guy against Cheeto Vera in a main event. I do like the over, four and a half, and potentially another one to go the decision. And the reason being here is, yeah, Vera's got some finishing power here, Adam, but Font I think he wants to strike, and I think he, he's going to look for that to his method of victory here as a small favorite at $1.20. And I know that Vera's going to try to take this down to the ground. And because of that, and I think he'll be successful doing so, I see exchanges, some lost time on the ground here. And if Vera can't get the submission, I think this fight's going go to go the cards as well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and play that over there. And uh, some other plays that I do, like Grant Dawson's been steamed up a little bit, minus $1.75. Against Jared Gordon, I think he's the rightful favorite. Normally, I don't like to play that big a favorite there, but I am going to play that one. Darren Elkins, the damage against Justin Connolly. Love him today at $1.70. It's a three-round fight. I do think it's got the chance to go the distance, but Elkins can take damage and give it out. I'm just going to play Elkins straight here minus the seventy, because I do think he might get a late-round stoppage in that third against Connolly. And finally, I hate to do this, Adam. I'm going against the old guy. Andre Orlovsky. And a lot of our experts on, on first strike, shameless plug. Listen to it wherever you listen to your podcast. Are kind of split this fight as well. I'm going to go with Collier, 10 years as junior, a blown up middleweight. And I just look at Orlovsky and I go, yeah, all of a sudden he's figured out his chin's not so bad. I don't think it's his, his chin's gotten better. I think his defense has gotten better. I think it's going to get tested today against Collier. I'm going to take the younger fighter here, go against my old guy and Orlovsky, and take the plus, plus value hit a plus $1.15.
4: How much of this for you, because I'm not a UFC better. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not somebody that really follows the sport all that closely. Uh, you know, I watch Stepe Miocic being a you know, Cleveland guy. He actually trained about 10 minutes from where I grew up. Oh, I love Stepe. But what, what sort of, is it price that's a deciding factor for you? Is it the matchup, something that you see in kind of the handicap? What is it?
3: It, it really is. I want to go, first of all, before I look at the price tags, I want to see who I really believe is going to win the fight. And then if I kind of get conflicting opinions from our sharps that we have on first strike, I do factor that in. And again, that's why the Orlovsky and the Collier one, it's kind of split. And I lean toward Collier. And so I understand at plus a dollar fifteen, if I really thought that Orlovsky is absolutely going to win this fight, and if he wins, he's going to win it by decision. I don't think Orlovsky's going to get the knockout. His his one punch power days are over. So when I take that and I factor that in, I go, okay, so Orlovsky's got one pathway to win this fight, and that's by decision, in my estimation. Collier's got more. So when I see a fighter that I think is a real live dog in this scenario and plus money at plus $1. fifteen, with multiple outs to me to win the fight, that's when I'm going to jump on that dog. I almost wanted to do it with Mearshart, but I didn't because I actually think Jocko will win the fight ultimately on points, but I'm not as convinced of that, and that's why I'm going to take that fight just to go to the decision. So that's how I kind of factor it in when I look at the numbers and I look at the value in the line, and do I really see pathways to victory, certainly for dogs, more so for the favorites, and I do like a couple of the small dogs today. Do you prefer
4: these smaller, you know, like the cards at the apex to the, to the big pay-per-view cards?
3: Well, uh, with the apex, with the, with the smaller octagon, normally for wrestlers, that's going to be advantageous, right? So they're going to try to be able to, with a smaller octagon, I don't have to chase you down in some of these bigger venues. And I do think that should factor into your handicap, where they're fighting. And that's why, again, I do think Mearshart... He's going to try to keep it standing. Jocko doesn't mind kind of stretching it out and wasting some time on the ground. I think Jocko be successful in doing that and probably not getting the finish in that smaller octagon. If it's bigger, advantage Mearshart. He could take that, he could use that space to potentially get those knockouts. That's what he's going to look for for the finish. It's going to be tougher to do with Jocko in a smaller octagon. And again, that factors into that plus 105 value.
4: And I know that you have Nick Kalikas on, on first strike regularly, and he's the circa odds maker here mm-hmm. for, for mixed martial arts. Are they factoring that into the price point
3: when they, it comes to those fight night cards? They do, and Nick is one of the sharpest that you're going to get in, in the business, certainly setting those numbers here, uh, and he does. He takes all of that into account, and it should be. I, I don't know that the the, the casual UFC better. And, and again, when I talk to Nick and certainly Mike Peronio, you see that that space is expanding, and people are getting more knowledgeable on it, but you should always take into account the style of uh, the styles make fights and the style of the fighter in the octagon. Is it going to be a big one? Is it going to be a small one? If it's a smaller one and you got a wrestler in there, you know that's what he's going to want to do because there's not as much space that he's going to have to cover. It should absolutely, and it does factor into Nick Klee because his number's here at Circa. So, again, the time difference screws me up sometimes. That card's getting ready to start. Get in those early wagers if you like, but that's the best advice. And, again, shameless plug uh, for First Strike right here in Beeson. Our experts do a great job each and every week on that show, and they've been cashing tickets regularly. So hope to get more of those winners today. Uh, very quickly here in the final two minutes of this segment, I did look up and see John Rahm is now tied with uh, Cameron Champ here at 1300 and also uh, Kitty Yama, who's been playing pretty good golf here in, in the coming weeks here. we got a three-way tie at the Mexico open. We'll see if we can get some live numbers on that. But, you know, yesterday I tweeted out, should they just hand over the trophy to John Rahm now? Because you look at the rest of the field, at him, and I go, okay, you got Lashley up there who shot a 64. He's in the clubhouse. You got Leviota up there at 11 under. I mean, advantage Rom. Certainly, when it comes to talent. But right now, he's getting pushed, and I wonder where their numbers might settle before we get to the final round tomorrow.
4: Yeah, looking here at DraftKings right now, John Rom even money plus 100 wow. to win this tournament. Cameron Champ plus 260, Kitty Yama plus 650. Then you've got Alex Smalley at 12 to one. Nate Lashley 16 to one, and Lashley's only a shot back, but he's done for the day. Finished with a 64. He carded that here in the third round. So. Because he's done for the day, and these guys can keep putting up scores, that's why he's sitting there at 16 to one.
3: How about if you're Kurt Kitayama and you said plus 650?
4: Now plus 750. So things things happening in real time here, and again, that's one of the challenges of live betting is you know you need a feed that's pretty pretty up to the up to the second basically.
3: That is amazing in a lack of respect for a guy that was just in the share of the lead in three-way tidally. lead. Plus over seven dollars here for Kitayama, but I do believe. I, a bogey might be coming for Riley. Davis Riley just made one as well. So we'll keep a watchful eye on the golf as well. But when we come back, we're going to talk more NFL and see what we thought from day one, day two, and now into day three. Come on back. It is VEASAN, the Sports Betting No.
0: From football playoffs to basketball madness.
1: This is Betting Across America on
0: v the Sports Betting Network.
3: Back here, betting across America, Adam Burke, Dave Ross, coming to you from Circus Sportsbook here in fabulous Las Vegas as the draft continues. We'll talk more about that in just a second. But let's update some Major League Baseball right now. A tight one in Toronto playing bottom four right now, 2-1 Jays. But the Astros showing a little signs of life, right?
4: Yeah, I have the Astros' first five. That was the other play from today's article. And they're making the hard contact that I expected. They're just not having anything to show for it here. They've only got the one run on a couple of hits, and mm-hmm. on four hits, I should say. But making a ton of hard contact off Jose Barrios. Barrios has not had good command all year long. Doesn't really have the greatest of command today. Nope. But, you know, high-velocity contact, not having the same results this season with the dead in baseball.
3: All right, so 2-1 to one there. We're still alive if they can get out of this bottom of the fourth and then maybe get some runs in the top of the fifth. If you had the Cardinals today in the first five under, you never sweat. That was scoreless, but it's scoreless no, no longer. The D-backs go back-to-back back off uh, Michael this year to take a 2 nothing lead, and I know I, I can already just feel St. Louis Twitter. Why'd you keep him in third time through the lineup, but he was dominating up until this this stretch here?
4: Yeah, he was pitching really well. I mean, look, Arizona is a team that I've kind of been writing about this lately, and I I haven't backed them. I kind of put my tail between my legs with them, but – You know, when you look at their offensive numbers, they're making much better contact than their batting average on base percentage, slugging percentage, et cetera, would show. And look, for this team, and we talked about this earlier on, they've scored 3.1 runs per game. And if they hold on here, not only will that number go down because they're only up two nothing, but they'll be 10 and 12, which really speaks to their pitching, which is much improved here
3: under the tutelage of new pitching coach Brent Strom who was with the Houston Astros a couple years ago. All right, so 2 nothing now as they play the top of the eighth, and the pesky D-backs there getting those back-to-back home runs to take the lead there. Just getting started, uh, D.C. against San Francisco. I did not want to get your thoughts on a Don against uh, Logan Webb here for San Francisco, and we know that the Nats feel like a mess. We talk about the Giants. They've been uh, a-, a strong play again, and I know last year a lot of people thought that was fluky. They're off to another good start this season. What do you make of the matchup today and San Francisco long term?
4: I think it's a little bit tricky today because the Giants have some key players that have COVID. Mike Yastrzemski is out with COVID. Brandon Belt also out on the COVID list. So they kind of have a uh, mix and match lineup for the second straight day. You know, yesterday it was really interesting. They made a lot of hard contact against the Nationals. Didn't have anything to show for it. Mm-hmm. Nationals made a lot of hard contact and scored 14 runs. <laughs> so it was just one of those days in Major League Baseball. And those things definitely do happen. But uh, nothing, nothing here early on, as you said. And you know, Logan Webb, a guy that got a little bit of National League Cy Young love yeah. in the lead up to the season. He's pitched well here so far, 284 ERA after a scoreless first.
3: You know, just like we talked about in the first hour, Shane McClanahan taking to the bump here for the Rays against the Twins, load up on Tampa. No, we didn't say that. one nothing Minnesota here early on here. So a bit of a surprise early in that one. And again, I, I've been uh, dipping the toe into the first five waters here. Is there any way, uh, strategizing, Adam, when you do break down your games every day and you do a great job of it, that, that you would say, you know what, if I really like the starting pitcher, because I want to mess with the bullpens. That's when I might be a first five player versus a total game here. Yeah, there are a few things. I mean,
4: like, for example, the reason why I took Houston here for the first five as opposed to the full game and and watch them win the game and lose the first five (laughs) is just because, you know, their bullpen's been worked a little bit. Both of these bullpens are kind of iffy. Didn't really want to deal with it. To me, the difference between betting a first five and a full game is my degree of confidence in the bullpen. It's not necessarily about the starting pitcher, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times it's just about how I think the bullpen will fare. Will it be a toss-up game in the later innings? something like that Uh, bullpen usage is a big thing for me too. So, yeah, obviously for a first five matchup, I mean the starter definitely comes into play, but for me it's just kind of what's my trust level in the bullpen because the reality is I would rather play a full game than a first five. Hmm. For a first five, you generally give up a little bit of line equity, and I just feel like one of my edges over the books is the way I handicap bullpens. So I kind of want to play to that strength as much as I possibly
3: can. All right, that's uh, excellent advice out there. You know, we talked about the uh, AL East a little bit here in, in Toronto, obviously, Tampa Bay, and the Yankees right now. We, we think that could be a very interesting race all year. Maybe not interesting in the bottom half of the division here with Boston against Baltimore. And right now they're battling it out to, to stay out of the, out of the uh, basement there. What do you make of Eovaldi today against uh, Sp- Spencer Watkins of the Orioles here, uh, the Sox here, the road favorite in Charm City? So
4: the stat that I mentioned earlier called weighted runs created plus. Okay. 100 is league average. The Boston Red Sox offense right now has a 76. They are 24% below league average offensively with Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez. All those guys are performing not to their capabilities, but performing relatively well. And this team still isn't hitting for whatever reason. The rest Mm -hmm. of the lineup has just been a black hole for them. Baltimore hasn't hit at all. I mean, their first 12 games, they were 11-0-1 to the under. They've started to kind of pick it up slightly offensively. Their pitching's kind of faltered a little bit. But, you know, in this game, I mean, Uvalde has been really, really good for the Red Sox. He's mm-hmm. also managed to stay healthy, which was his biggest issue, you know, kind of coming up through his career and, and all of that. Uh, look, it's a big price today. I'd be concerned about laying it with Boston. But, you know, as I said, I mean, these two offenses are just not really performing well. It's rare to see a seven and a half at Camden Yards. But with that wall
3: pushed back in left field, maybe you could kind of make a case for taking an under in that game. Wow, yeah. Not, not often you will see a low total like that at Charm City, uh, certainly with these two teams and still advising playing that under potentially at seven and a half. Okay. I do want to get back up very quickly here to the NFL draft, just to get some thoughts on uh, what we saw in price points here in that first round. Now, if you had Trayvon Walker to be the first overall pick, this opened when it opened at 3000, it closed minus 500. This is why information is king, right. So again, if you got one of those early numbers, kudos to you in, uh, in, he does close here at the $5 favorite, and he does, of course, go number one overall. Aiden Hutchinson opened plus $250. So think of that. Trevor Walker opened plus $3,000, and Aiden Hutchinson opened right there at plus $750, closed minus $1.25. We talked about the, the liability with Mike Peronio, uh, and you see that there. And Daryl Stingley, Derek Stingley Jr., rather, uh, opened at plus 750 closed minus $1.25. Uh, it, it, it is stunning to see those numbers. What did you make of the market moves? Just in general for the NFL draft, and it is why Mike Peranio and we know, uh, you know Derek Stevens here, owner operator Cirker, they they can't stand the draft because guys that get good information, hey Trayvon Walker's one, all of a sudden that's why those numbers go from plus three thousand to minus five hundred. And that's the
4: thing, you know, a lot of the people that are able to move these numbers are very well connected. They mm-hmm. have a lot of information. They have a lot of sources they can go to to kind of find these things out. Also, too, you know, you start thinking about that you get the mock draft before the combine. And then you get kind of the buzz players coming out of the combine, the guys that had the great measurables, the guys that really impressed in the interview process and all of that. But you're right. It's largely a race to get information. Yes. And it's, for whatever reason, it's like the one time of the year that a lot of people get it well in advance of the sports books. And so they're able to jump on those things. We see those drastic line moves. It's why, really, the biggest defense for the sports books is just to have low limits on this thing so they don't get too overexposed, they don't get too burned on this. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the power of information when it comes to the NFL draft is just – it's off the charts. It's remarkable.
3: And, again, this is why when you you see the scouting combines, you do the dog and pony shows, those were really where people start to talk to the GMs, talk to the coaches, those pesky reporters, to get that information. And we try to do a great job of that here at Visa, and I think our team's done an excellent job leading you to the NFL draft. The quarterback one is the one that I think when you look at tickets that cashed, for the first quarterback selected being Kenny Pickett. Now, that opened – at just 225 plus value and a close plus 150. So, not a significant move, but a, a, a subtle move there because I think Gen Pop, general population, as I like to say, if you ever watched Oz on HBO, Gen Pop loved Malik Willis. He's got to be the guy. He's got to be the guy with the upside. Nope, that's not what happened. And Kenny Pickett goes 20th to Pittsburgh. They stay pat. And see, their other maybe small surprise was that Jake London, uh, Drake London, rather, was the first wide receiver selected out of the USC. And I think a lot of people thought that Garrett Wilson might be the first pick there at wide receiver out of Ohio State, but Drake goes one, opened at plus 150, and actually went the other way, closed at plus $1. 85. What's the bigger surprise to you? Is it that Willis didn't go uh, as the first quarterback, or that uh, Wilson didn't go as the first wide receiver? That's a good question. I mean,
4: look, I'm. I'm biased because I watch every Ohio State game, so I got to see all of Garrett Wilson. Don't mm-hmm. really get to see a whole lot of Drake London. You know, I'm not really watching too many USC games late at night. Also coming off the ankle injury. You know, that's certainly a big question for him. But it's one of those things where, you know, Drake London was such a focal point of that offense. I mean, he got the lion's share of the targets. He had almost he had, you know, over forty percent of the receptions. He was their primary red zone target and all of that. Garrett Wilson, I mean, look, CJ Stroud may be the number one overall pick throwing to him Mm -hmm. you know you had all the other weapons that ohio state had they're far more athletic and far more talented than anybody else in that conference so maybe when you just kind of watch the film on drake london and see kind of who was throwing to him and all that maybe the falcons just kind of went "Eh, you know what that's our guy and we'll see we'll see if that was the right call or not but i mean i I think garrett wilson's really good and i also think i mentioned this yesterday on our my guy's spot i think jackson smith and jig was better than both Olave and wilson so We'll see how early he goes next year.
3: Well, It feels like he's a lock top 10 pick at that point. So, again, uh, if he's going to be better than that crop that they've had and what a crop coming out of Ohio State these days, uh, Brian Hartline doing an amazing job there. Finally, very quickly in the final By minute By the way, here. I walked
4: past Ryan Day here the other day. What? Yeah.
3: What was he Just chilling? I was going up the escalator and he was coming down. Did you say, what's up, coach?
4: I did not. I should have. I yeah. should have yelled OH at him. Like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the default,
3: right? But I, I clammed up, man. I, well, how do you stand on the hello coach if he's not your coach thing? Like, do you just say, hello, Ryan? Like, he doesn't know you. Like, because I know, like, some coaches are like, I'm not, Mr. Day? Yeah, right. What, Mr. Day? I like, don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing. I'm one of those coaches. Mr. Guys. Day sounds like a terrible movie. Mr. Day. I'm not watching that movie, <laughs> but I will watch Ohio State play. When we come back, Nick Wayland's going to join the program and talk all things NBA playoffs. Come on back. It is Betting Across America right here in VC, the Sports Betting Network.
0: This is Betty Across America on VSIN,
3: the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Spring Special is here. For only $59, you get everything VSIN has to offer from now to the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VSIN.com. And subscribers are going to have full access to all of it, including my co host today, Adam Burke, his daily MLB best bets. Jonathan Von Tovel is going to have the best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil is going to break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. you going to have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well. Yeah, football season, not that far away. Not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, NASCAR, and the Kentucky Derby betting guide. So if you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bet email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. So sign up now at VEASAN.com slash spring. Alongside the aforementioned Adam Burke, I am Dave Ross. This is Betting Across America right here on VEASAN. A pleasure right now to welcome back to the program Nick Whalen. Nick does a great job as an NBA editor for Rotowire. And, Nick, let's get into the second round of the playoffs as we have finally wrapped up round number one. But before we look ahead, let's look back, because you and I were talking a little bit just before we came on. I'm stunned that we potentially didn't have a game seven between the C's and the Brooklyn Nets. What was the biggest surprise to you in the first rounds? Because to me, it was that Boston got the clean sweep of Brooklyn.
5: Yeah, I think it has to be that by default, right? You know, and I think the fact that Memphis struggled as much as it did uh, to to do away with Minnesota in six games was a little bit of a surprise. But when you consider that, you know, Memphis has about as much playoff experience as that Timberwolves team, uh, it shouldn't be all that shocking uh, that that series was as much of a dogfight as it was. But No, you're right about Boston and Brooklyn. I think we penciled that one in for seven games, even after Boston took game one, especially the way in which they won that game on the Tatum last second lay-in. It felt like every game was going to come down to the final possession. And, you know, really, I think it was, what, the the four games were 17 points total. That was the differential for the entire series. So it really was a lot closer. It was the second closest four-game sweep in NBA history. So we do have to take that into account. Like, obviously, it's a disappointing result for the Brooklyn Nets. They didn't win a single game, I'm not trying to take anything away from Boston, but it's not like the Celtics blew them out every single game. It was a much closer series, I think, than the final result would indicate. But nonetheless, I mean, massive, massive surprise that the Nets were not even able to take a single game off the Boston Celtics. And really, we we didn't get any drama in the Eastern Conference side of things. You know, for a little bit there, it felt like Toronto was going to make a run and and potentially force a game seven and, you know, kind of give us the... Uh, Doc Rivers, James Harden narrative that we so badly wanted. Uh, but then, you know, Philly, of course, took care of business. And, um, you know, like I was telling you off air, like uh, the series that we thought would have drama didn't really have drama. And some of the series that we thought would be four or five game cakewalks ended up being a little bit more difficult.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, let's get into the second round matchups here. And the first one that I do want to talk about is the 76ers plus a $1.55 in the series price against the Heat. But my goodness. I'm sorry, Doc Rivers, and again, not trying to bang on Doc. How in the wild, wild world of sports is Joel Embiid in the game with under four minutes to go and a 29-point blowout in a closeout scenario to take the elbow from Pascal Siakam here Uh, and ultimately now we don't know what Joel Embiid's status is going to be. How in the world can you back the Sixers not knowing what Embiid's going to look like in a week?
5: Yeah, I mean, you're saying $1.55. I've seen the Sixers at plus 310 to win that series Uh, over at the DraftKings Sportsbook right now. So I think there is legitimate concern that Joel Embiid is not only going to miss, you know, maybe games one and game two, but but potentially miss that entire series. Uh, You know, Jeff Stotts, uh, who does a lot of great work on NBA injuries, he he writes some columns for us at Rotowire. You know, he noted that last time Embiid suffered this injury, I think it was during uh, the 2017-18 season, he ended up missing 10 games and eight of those uh, were playoff games. So you know, this is not an injury that you can necessarily play through. Like, I, I assume at some point he'll throw a mask on, he'll try to cut through it. But even with a mask, I mean, this is one of those situations where the training staff will have to say, you know, you can't play until this heals to a certain point. Like, you have a broken bone on your face. There's really nothing we can do unless you're wearing, you know, like some sort of old-school diving helmet where, you know, your, your head is completely <laughs> encased. It's not really an injury you can play through. So, you know, all we have right now is that really vague report uh, from Shams Sharania the other day that says Embiid is out indefinitely. Um, you know, we've seen already, you know, some, some kind of interesting, I'll say it, uh, injury reporting with guys like Devin Booker, who we thought for sure right. missed the entire series. And then there he is out there for game six. So, you know, certainly if you're the Miami Heat, I, I don't think you're, you're telling yourself, all right, this will be a breeze. No, Joel Embiid. Uh, I think there's a chance we see him at some point, but man, with that series set to start in just a couple days here, uh, it, it looks like Miami's going to catch a really, really big break and potentially have a nice path. Uh, to kind of walk all the way to the conference
3: finals yeah, and again that number did start off at a dollar 55 before that news came out by sham so now again it's steamed up to plus 350 uh philadelphia the huge underdog with miami minus 450 to win that series
4: nick what do you think about the other eastern conference series here between the celtics and the bucks where you got boston a little more than a two dollar favorite in this one milwaukee plus 175 coming back and a lot of people here so far seem to like the milwaukee bucks in this series mm-hmm. what about you
5: well, I'm sitting here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I think I'm contractually obligated to say that I love the Bucs. They're going to win this thing in four. Uh, no, I, I think we're we're set up for a very interesting game one. It feels like Boston, to me, has all of the momentum. You know, they're the hottest team in the league. They were the hottest team to end the regular season. They blew through a series that a lot of people thought they might lose or would at least go to seven games. Uh, and meanwhile, Milwaukee comes in. Uh, obviously, they they dominated the Bulls. You know, it probably should have been a sweep, but it wasn't. But they came on, come in missing their second best player. And Chris Middleton. So a lot of things are breaking in the Celtics favor. I'm expecting Boston to come out uh, with a fervor in game one and, and win game one convincingly. But I think Milwaukee has the infrastructure even without Chris Middleton to make this a long series. You know, I think it's going to be kind of a feel out type of series for Giannis and the Bucks uh, in game one. And I think they're going to buckle down uh, and, and make this a probably six or seven game series, regardless of whether Chris Middleton is back. And look, if you like the Milwaukee Bucks, if you want to zag a little bit and go against the Celtics momentum, I mean, you could get the Bucs to win this series at 7 to 1 uh, to win it in 7. You could get it at 5 to 1 for the Bucs to win in 6 if you don't think uh, you want to take them, you know, going to Boston for that game 7. And on the other side of it, there's decent value here still for Boston. You know, if you want to bet the series money line, not all that great. But if you want to say, hey, I think the Celtics are going to win this in six games, getting that at plus 425, guys, I, I think that's pretty good value.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great value. Talking with Nick Whalen here from uh, Rotowire, uh, all things NBA. Let's talk a little bit about this Warriors. And Grizzlies second round matchup because again we kind of had this conversation a little bit before we began. I believe that the Grizzlies can't play a whole lot worse to still win in six. And now I know everybody's going to be on Golden State. And by the way, the Warriors two point favorites uh, in Game One tomorrow at Memphis here. And right now series price almost three dollars minus two seventy five we're seeing here for Golden State. Are you with me that the Grizzlies can put up and play better, which could be problematic for Golden State, or is this all signs going? towards Golden State in a relatively easy uh, victory here. Again, it's an unexperienced Grizzlies bunch.
5: Well, I got to tell you, I mean, all the signs are pointing toward Golden State in that type of outcome, which, you know, kind of raises some red flags, right? Where when everybody's on one side, sometimes it makes you think, is this a little bit too easy? Or is this too dominant of a narrative? Um, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that the Minnesota Timberwolves were just a bad matchup for Memphis, but there is a case to be made that, that, that was the case. You know, I, I don't think golden state is the type of team that is going to get Jared Jackson, you know, in foul trouble, the way that Minnesota was able to do really in all six games of that series. You know, golden state is the more finesse team. They're the more jump shooting oriented team. They don't necessarily have someone like a Carl towns who's going to attack Jared Jackson uh, and, and essentially force him to, what are the average like 23 minutes a game mm-hmm. in that series. So you assume that Jared Jackson has a bigger role. Maybe you could get Steven Adams back in the mix. He was basically out of the rotation for that entire series Uh, So I I think we do see, you know, a renewed effort from Memphis. Uh, But at the same time, guys, I think has any team increased their stock more in round one than Golden State. I mean, this is a team that had some major, major question marks coming into the playoffs. We had no idea what Stephen Curry was going to look like with that foot injury. We barely seen Curry, Draymond and Clay play together. I think Jordan Poole even exceeded expectations for him in round one. So while it feels like Memphis was maybe a little bit lucky to escape that series, uh, against the Timberwolves, it feels like Golden State. You know they're they're soaring right now. They're going the other direction, and they've basically pulled even with the Phoenix Suns. When you start to look at title odds, I think Phoenix is at plus 390, and Golden State right behind them at four to one. So, you know, it was coming into the playoffs, Phoenix was obviously viewed as the number one team in the West. And when you start to look at those futures markets, you know the oddsmakers say that those teams are now pretty much even.
4: Nick, we got about a minute left here, and those aforementioned Phoenix Suns minus 300 in this series against <laughs> the Dallas Mavericks. Mavericks do get Luka Doncic back do wind up taking care of business against the Utah jazz. What do you think about that series in that matchup?
5: I think it really favors Phoenix. You know, I, I think we, I think collectively everyone was really excited that we ended up getting a nice series against new Orleans. You know, the, the Pelicans kind of became America's team. If you're not a Suns fan, they were really fun to follow. Uh, but I, I feel like we collectively lost the fact that Phoenix was without Devin Booker for most of that series. And when this team is healthy, And at full strength, they were by far the best team, by far the most consistent team throughout the entire regular season. So that's not to say Dallas can't compete. You know, when you have a player like Luka Doncic, who's still probably the best player in this series, I think they could take a game. Uh, But I I really like Phoenix to get back on track and kind of remind everybody why they were so dominant and why they were such a heavy favorite uh, to emerge from the Western Conference coming into the playoffs.
3: I got to tell you, if we do get Phoenix and Golden State in the finals of the West, I can't wait to see what those price points look like. It could be Wild. Hey, Nick, really appreciate the the time and the information as always, my friend. uh, uh, We can't wait to watch how this unfolds. We'll have you back on soon.
5: All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me.
3: There he is, Nick Whalen, everybody. Uh, Great stuff with Rotowire as we look at the NBA playoffs a day off today as we get back into it in earnest tomorrow. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about those games tomorrow and maybe some leans that you see there. We're going to have four games, two games on tap tomorrow, and then two more on Monday. So come on back. By the way, UFC card has just begun, so get those bets in if you're trying to get some action in. When we come back, much more NBA. It is betting across America on am and the sports betting. Network.
0: Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.
1: Billie Eilish
3: and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call.
1: Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.
0: This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Discover BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up today and win $200 if you place a $10 wager on any NBA playoff game and either team hits a three-pointer regardless of your bet's outcome. Simply use the bonus code CODE200 when you place your first bet to take advantage of this offer. Enjoy the playoffs more than ever with BetMGM. Eligibility restrictions to apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is now with all free bets or set credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call one 800 GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Back alongside Adam Burke, I am Dave Ross. This is Fending Across America right here on VEASAN. The first fight of the day is underway at UFC Fight Night. And a bit of a surprise here. Adam, you gave out those numbers earlier. You could have got Kurt Kitayama not too long ago at over $7. When he was tied for, the, oh, tied for the lead, he still is tied for the lead, but now he's tied with Cameron Champ at 1400 John Rahm is back at 1300 one back. Remember, we got a whole Sunday to go, but right now I'm seeing Rahm are priced around plus $1.40, Cameron Champ plus $2.30, and Kirk Kittyama now plus $6. Very interesting to see how this plays out because you got to think people are going to you get plus money now at John Rahm. That's almost double dog daring you to take him.
4: Yeah, I think so, especially because he played so well the first two days of this tournament. And also, too, you know, look, I mean, we don't know what the weather conditions are going to look like tomorrow. That's mm-hmm. something that we'll have to handicap here during one of the breaks. But John Rom probably getting a little bit of extra carry down there in Mexico. I think that that's so, all. And, and be Cameron traveling. Champ, too, for that matter. Yes,
3: oh, so he can hit it a long way there. So do have some three names up there on the board. We'll keep an eye on that because, again, for me, I'm not going to live wager it, but I probably will dip my toe in before tomorrow, especially if Rom is around $1.50, and he's one off the lead. That's going to be almost too tantalizing for me to pass up. No disrespect to Kirk Kiyama, but that's why you're still seeing, even though he's tied for the lead 6-1 to one here, going forward to get it done. Just not the longest hitter like Romer and Cameron Champ. More tools in the uh, toolbox for those guys. Uh, let's get back a little bit right now to the NBA. I thought we had a fascinating conversation with Nick Whalen. It's kind of forecast a little bit into the second rounds. When we just look individually at the games tomorrow, okay, we got two games tomorrow and we have two more. On Monday. You and I discussed this a little bit yesterday, in my guys. The Celtics and Bucks, if you don't like the game, right now the C's about four and a half point favorites uh, over Milwaukee to get game one done. 217 and a half on the total. You have a lean here. What is it, my friend?
4: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, as the games increase in importance, and obviously game one is very important. You want to set the tone for the series. You know, you want to be ahead. Obviously, if you're the road team, you want to take home court advantage away. Typically, those things tend to tighten up a little bit. And we saw that, of course, in the Bucks' first game with the Bulls, 93-86. to 86. I mean, That's about as low scoring as it gets for an NBA game in 2021-2022 mm-hmm. here. So, I feel like things probably tighten up a little bit. Also, you know, 1 o'clock Eastern time start, you know, kind of a little Sleepy. bit different here on a Sunday. Yeah, You know, all that kind of thing. So, I feel like this is a game that probably starts a little bit slow. And, you know, I, I do think at the under, uh, in that 217.5 range, 218, shop around for the best price as always. But, you know, I think that under 218 is one that's probably worth taking a look at.
3: All right. So, again, I'm with you on that. I kind of feel like that underplay is a smart play in game one. I wonder what we're going to get in game one between Golden State and Memphis. I have to think right now, if you want to back Golden State, get the number now. Because don't you get the feeling in the next 24 hours, people are going to start coming in and going, man, I watched Memphis. They didn't look good against the T-Wolves. And right now, ironically, it started at two. It's, I'm seeing one and a half year bet MGM. And that total at 219 and a half. Boy, if this thing got to three, I might be intrigued, intrigued to go contrarian. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like Memphis a little bit here in game one. I mean, Memphis, you know, they got off to a slow start in that series against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Minnesota had been playing for its playoff life for a long period of time. They had to play at a very high level. Memphis won 60 games. You know, well, I mean, they won the four here in this series, but yep. if they had a really, really strong regular season winning 56 games. You know, it's just kind of tough to, to flip that switch and all of a sudden play with the necessary intensity. I don't think Memphis has to worry about that here in game one. Whereas for Golden State, a little bit longer of a trip now, you know, another one of these afternoon starts, going to be a 1230 start from their body clocks. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're also too, I mean, they're a team that like most jump shooting teams typically tends to perform better at home than on the road. So I think Memphis isn't a bad play here, but like you, I'm not rushing to that number. No. I think you can kind of wait this one out and see if you can get a better price. Point. Yeah,
3: I got to I just have to believe that Gen pop's going to hop in on Golden State and you can understand why after they looked so good in closing out their series. And Memphis really did struggle. Great comeback in the fourth quarter to get it done. So I'll be very curious to see where that line moves goes. Very quickly in the total, I see in about 220, 219.5. Do you think we're going to get pace? Because we know that both teams like to play at it. Certainly Memphis does from their standpoint.
4: Yeah, I think it's a fair question. I mean, Golden State, plenty rested. They last played on Wednesday. So if they want to go up and down the floor, that's something that they can do. Memphis, I guess you kind of wonder about that a little bit, right? You know, coming off of that big comeback in the fourth quarter last night, you know, now you've got this afternoon start time. So it's not like you've got the full, you know, two days off or whatever it is between games. You know, they had some travel plans to possibly have to play Minnesota. You know, now at least they're playing Golden State. But, you know, you do maybe wonder a little bit about them and about this quick turnaround.
3: The reason why I'm so hesitant in this series, and again, just talking with Nick in the last segment, and you can understand why – we are going to back Golden State. And it's Golden State and, you know, Steph coming off the bench and Jordan Poole and, you know, a third Splash Brother and all those things. But, you know, we had Tim Doyle on the program as well yesterday. He loves this Memphis spot because he does believe, and again, you look at some of those series prices here. Will you get into some of those exactos? Because I actually think this series might go longer than people think. Because I'm sure that, that Golden State in five, which right now I'm seeing a plus 260, is probably going to be a very chic pick, I would believe. Yeah, I would think
4: so. I mean, obviously, you know, Golden State and six kind of makes some sense, too, especially because they're not the home team here, so they would have the chance to finish the series off in game six at home. To me, it's kind of one of those things, as opposed to playing the exact series, if you think Memphis can win game one, Mm -hmm. and they are only a a one-and-a-half-point dog, although I agree with you, it probably goes to two, two two-and-a-half at a minimum, you could take a shot on the Grizzlies at whatever the best series price you can find is. DraftKings has plus 215. You can see the screen there. BetMGM has Grizzlies plus 210. You take a shot on them to win the series. If they win game one, you can come back on Golden State if you want to at a much better price, kind of free roll the rest of this thing in all likelihood. So that's kind of what I would be thinking about, what I would be looking at if I like the Grizzlies in game one, like I think I do at this point in time. So those are things you can kind of do too, is kind of manipulate the series price back and forth
3: a little bit. I love that rationale. And again, uh, Timmy's point yesterday on the program was, he's like, hey, do you remember who knocked out Golden State in the play-in last year? And I was like, oh, yeah, it was Memphis. And, like, people, again, we, we're, we get caught up in what we just saw. And, and Tim's belief is, and, again, uh, you can go back and listen, he really believes it's a potentially bad matchup. If there's such a thing as a bad matchup for Golden State, he believes it could be Memphis in this series. So I'm with you. I kind of like Memphis a little bit leaning their way, certainly in game one, and then you can maybe manipulate that market as it goes forward. Uh, we did talk a little bit about the season, the Bucks in game one. For the series, what does surprise me now, is because Boston looks so good in sweeping Brooklyn. Now, all of a sudden everybody's like, well, the seas are not only the favorite to come out of the East, but yeah, we got two potentially good teams out of the West. We're kind of booking the Celtics for the finals. Is there any danger in that? Or do you think that's the right handicap going forward?
4: Yeah, I think it's dangerous. I mean, look, you know, Nick mentioned it. Yeah, it was a sweep, but a lot of those games were very close. I mean, they all finished by single digits. Seven was the biggest margin of victory uh, for the Celtics in that series. And, I also think, too, that it probably hurt Brooklyn that they didn't get a lot of time to play together Mm -hmm. leading up to the playoffs. You know, Boston has, for the most part, I wouldn't say they've stayed completely healthy, but for the most part, they've stayed pretty healthy. With the Nets, you had, you know, Durant going down. You had Kyrie and the whole vaccine thing and all that. They didn't really get a ton of reps together. Milwaukee, look, they got off to a slow start. We see championship teams do that all the time. But I just think Milwaukee is is a little bit more buttoned up. Now, of course, you want to know sort of, Where Chris Middleton's at, kind of wondering what's going to happen in that. Seems like he's probably going to end up missing this series. So, you know, they were able to overcome that against Chicago. Can they overcome that against Boston? I think that's really the key question here if you want to take that Bucks underdog series. price.
3: And, again, we all thought that Devin Booker wasn't going to play. Now, again, he wasn't as effective as normally D-Book is, but he did come back, and that's a great point here. And, again, we talked a little bit about it uh, in the last segment here with Nick Whalen, but I am curious about the Sixers because that number got juiced now with the news that Joel Embiid, we don't know if he's going to be available at all, but Nick touched on it too. I could see him coming back with a mask and all of a sudden, if you think, all right, maybe he's not available game one or two, is there any value now in the steam here? Because now you're getting three fifty in the price yesterday before that news was $1.55. Well,
4: a little tongue-in-cheek, I would say, as long as Philadelphia is not up 3-1 to one in this series. Maybe there's... <laughs> You know a little bit of value in them right but also too, I mean what what is Miami what what are the heat and I know that they you know are the number Defense. one seed 53 and 29 great, right. but you know what what are they I mean what can they do offensively in this series against the 76ers who now without Embiid do they go with a smaller lineup do they try to push the pace a little bit right do they just try to buckle down defensively as much as possible you know kind of like try batting down the hatches and try to hold on mm-hmm. I think we you know to me I don't know if I could do anything pre-flop with this series I kind of want to see what game one looks like and, and what you know, the, the 76ers do to adjust for such a huge loss.
3: Yeah, that is, that is massive. Again, Dr. Rivers, I just don't know how in the world Embiid was in there, and I know people are going to say, hey, you know, Siakam shouldn't have thrown an elbow while well, you were just dancing on the other end, so guys get u- upset about stuff like that. Now it might cost you potentially the series is that thing. Uh, if he can't go, I can't see a scenario they win that. When we come back, we're going to update uh, give some live updates. And right now, what's going on in golf? Cameron Champ making a movie. you got a two-shot lead. We'll discuss when you come back with us on these and these.
1: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.